You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Encouraging new numbers in the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic in this province. They come as BC braces for what could be a critical few days ahead with the long weekend and a nice stretch of weather on the way. Dr. Bonnie Henry revealing today we have 45 new cases for a total of 1,336 and sadly five additional people have succumbed to the virus. As Keith Baldry reports, uh, health officials are urging all of us to stay the course, resist the tempting weather, and continue to bend the curve, not the rules. We need to, we need to stay home t this weekend. Consider that an order, not a polite request from BC's top doctor. It's not the time to go to some of our smaller or more remote communities where the services may not be available to support you or to support the community should this um, virus be introduced into those communities. While there's a steady climb in new confirmed COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations continue to drop, now down to 138. The number in intensive care is also dropping, down to 61. And the recovery rate continues to rise, now sitting at 838. But while the number of confirmed serious cases is not escalating, Dr. Henry says that's no reason to relax and ignore the rules she's put in place. We are in the thick of it right now. We are still watching what's happening across the country and across the globe, and it is no time for us to let up. Three of the five new deaths reported were in long-term care homes, a uniquely BC aspect of the pandemic. Ours has really been driven by, um, by our long-term care facility outbreaks in the Lower Mainland. I think the things that helped us, perhaps, and it, it's, it's impossible to compare. Part of it is timing, you know, when our March break was, learning from what, was, what we were seeing in other places, um, particularly, you know, Quebec's March break was a little bit ahead of ours, and we saw the impact of what was happening there. We also very much were affected by what was happening in Washington State. And the health minister repeated his demand of any would-be travellers out there. But this is not the time for people from British Columbia to visit Alberta, for all of the reasons to visit Alberta. It's not the time for people in Alberta to visit British Columbia. It's not the time to be travelling to second homes. And in case you're not getting the message about what to do or what not to do this coming long weekend... Enjoy the sun and, and stay apart. Stay apart. <laughs> All right, we'll bring in Keith Baldry live now. Uh, three of the five deaths today, Keith, are connected to long-term care homes. Mm -hmm. BC seems to have a lot more cases in care homes compared to the rest of the country. Is there an explanation for that? Yeah, we talked to Dr. Barney Henry about that today, why it's so bad in the care homes. And she says the problem was at Lynn Valley and Harrow Park is that the patients there who contracted it had very mild symptoms. So nobody detected it early on. So it was allowed to flourish in a place where people are most vulnerable, elderly people and people with underlying health, uh, health conditions. So uh, the numbers are, are pretty big. So here's the numbers, how they break down. Basically, all in Vancouver Coastal and Fraser Health Authority, 226 cases are in long-term care homes and assisted living. Seven 17% of the total, 138 of them are residents and 88 staff members. And one of the issues early on, you'll recall, Chris, was staff members moving from facility to facility. So uh, there have been no new homes added to the list. Now I think we're standing at 23 long-term care homes have the virus. But because people aren't working and traveling between uh, the facilities, that number doesn't seem to be growing. And that's, that's good news. But that's where people are most vulnerable. And that's where most of the fatalities, unfortunately, have occurred. Focus on the good news for now, at least. Thanks very much, mm -hmm. Keith. Right. 
Well, among the many family tragedies brought about by the COVID-19 crisis, the death of a Richmond man is particularly heartbreaking. 47-year-old Warlito Valdez died at home while self-isolating in his bedroom. As Ruminadea reports, he leaves behind a young daughter and a wife who doesn't know how she'll make it. Please don't tell me that he's gone. Flozier Tabanjan tried desperately to resuscitate her husband Sunday morning, but he was gone. I tried to do the chest compression, but... 47-year-old Warlito Valdez was self-isolating in a bedroom on the top floor of the family's Richmond townhouse after he tested positive for COVID-19 at a drive through testing site in Vancouver. Keeping a safe distance under the same roof, Tabanjan says she was in constant communication with her husband and connecting with Vancouver Coastal Health daily. The couple's last conversation, Saturday night. He asked me to go and buy a burger and then to cook him some chicken noodle soup. After that, we said goodnight. Valdez worked with disabled adults at Pendleton House in Richmond. Global News has learned he's one of several support workers who tested positive for COVID-19. Richmond Society for Community Living says it can't comment on the number of positive cases. No coughing, no shortness of breath. The only symptom Valdez was suffering from was fever. The nurse recommended Tylenol, says Valdez's wife. We do have processes where we have daily follow-up with people who are known to have COVID-19. Tabanjan is not blaming anyone. The single mom, who is also a frontline care worker at a senior's home, has only one concern now. How she's going to provide for her four-year-old daughter Zerlit. What benefits can we have? We are the frontliners. How can I raise my daughter, who is only four years old, by myself? We will be there to help in any way we can to bridge uh, whatever programs are available uh, to the family, whether they be federal or provincial. Or Valdez's co-worker launched an online fundraiser for the family. Tabanjan pleading with the public to take COVID-19 seriously. My husband, he died from being a hero. Romina Dea, Global News. Well, in response to growing concerns about the risk posed to B.C. by returning travelers, the provincial government has imposed tougher new rules. As Richard Zussman reports, anyone returning by air or by land will be required to prove they have a plan to self-isolate. And there are consequences if they don't. Canadians arriving back in the country are now going to hear two things. Welcome home and what is your isolation plan? We've been giving up some of our liberties in the interest of the benefit to the greater good. And as, uh, as people return to British Columbia, we have an expectation that they will follow suit. After more than a week of frustration with the federal government, there can be no ambiguity anymore, if there ever was, about people's obligations when they get home. We need, as always, 100% of people to follow rules, especially those who will be returning to Canada. The province getting the approval to introduce tougher measures to ensure all international arrivals, from those coming to airports to land crossings, go immediately home and self-isolate for 14 days. And we need to make sure that all of the work that Canadians have been, been doing is not erased by a group of people who may come back and not have the same level of uh, perseverance that British Columbians have had. 
the change coming into effect on Friday at Vancouver International Airport. There are about 600 people arriving through that airport every day. If a traveler does not have a plan, including details on how they will receive food and other basic essentials, they can't go home. That again is something in consultation with the federal government we're working on to ensure that if you don't have a plan, we have a place for you to go till you figure it out. The province and Ottawa still working on where those places will be. If someone coming across a land crossing does not have a plan, they will be turned back. As for ensuring people head straight home, the province is trusting arriving travellers for now. We certainly can uh, access apps uh, and uh, location uh, detectors on telephones. The federal government still playing catch-up and will speak next week about whether this policy will happen Canada-wide. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. A 24-year-old Coquitlam man has been arrested and is now facing a string of charges, including one for allegedly coughing on police officers. It happened on Monday. An elderly couple were in the home on Ashurst Avenue when a break-in occurred and some jewelry was taken. Less than an hour later, Coquitlam RCMP arrested Tyson Helgeson. Following new procedures, officers asked him if he was sick or had any COVID-19 symptoms. Police say he told them he was sick, then turned his face and coughed on the three officers present. We don't know uh, just how sick this suspect was. We do know, or at least we believe, that he deliberately coughed on our members just to try and perhaps create some kind of fear. That's not acceptable. Obviously, we're in a situation as a society where we're trying to get through a difficult time, and we all need to work on this, no matter who we are in society. Helgeson has now been charged with break and enter, theft, and assaulting a police officer. He remains behind bars. Calling it the responsible decision during this crisis, Port Coquitlam City Council has voted to hold off on a proposed property tax increase and extend the payment deadline for home and business owners. Are other B.C. municipalities following POCO's lead? Here's John Waugh. It's the looming payment many people are losing sleep over. Very, very stressful. How do residents in financial crisis due to the COVID-19 pandemic foot their property tax bill due July 2nd? There's people out there who need every dollar. In Port Coquitlam, property owners are being given a much-needed break. We've had thousands of people who've been laid off. We've had hundreds of businesses who have had to close their doors. And people are really struggling. City Council voting to defer property tax payments by two months and forego a slated increase of close to a half percent. We're in a strong position financially where we're able to offer this support. And I think it's important that cities show leadership at this time. I would like to table a motion to allow Surrey residents and businesses to defer their property taxes. A similar pitch at the city of Surrey shot down by Mayor Doug McCallum. Okay, I'm not going to allow you to do it. I am going to rule it out of order. His reason, it can't be done without provincial approval during BC's state of emergency. The mayor was obviously ill-informed. Uh, I had checked and double-checked to make sure that city council could do this. It seems the city of Vancouver agrees. While it will be voting on a 60-day payment grace period, cutting the property tax increase seems out of the question. Instead, asking the province for a $200 million grant to stay afloat. The fact of the matter is that we are still losing millions of dollars a week. And that doesn't yet take into account what would happen in the event that thousands of property taxpayers begin to default. The financial situations might differ, but the ask of the province is the same. Municipalities need help. 
hoping BC will expand its property tax deferral program beyond just seniors. We haven't got a plan in place today, but it's obviously front and centre, not just on the individuals who owe the taxes, but to those municipalities that depend on those taxes. And so while this pandemic doesn't care about municipal borders, residents in some cities are breathing a sigh of relief, while a pending property tax bill causes others to worry. John Hua, Global Van City is giving its credit card customers a helping hand during the COVID-19 crisis. The credit union announced today it is temporarily cutting its credit card interest rate to zero for anyone who has been impacted by the crisis. It's also allowing customers facing financial difficulty because of COVID-19 to defer credit card payments for up to six months interest-free. And it's offering up to six months deferral of loan and mortgage payments. Another string of measures designed to protect the Canadian economy unveiled today, just three weeks after Ottawa unveiled its multi-billion dollar program to help small businesses survive. The Prime Minister now says those rules are being loosened. Aaron MacArthur reports. It's been a mainstay on commercial drive for 20 years. The sudden closure forced by the pandemic will now be permanent. The owner of Frederico Supper Club saying he can't afford to hang on. The government that's um, just deferring payments and not really helping. There are as many as a quarter of all small businesses in Canada in the same boat. The federal government announcing changes, trying to help more entrepreneurs. The wage package still needs parliamentary approval. Once passed, it will apply to all businesses that can show a 15% reduction in revenue in March. Employees will be paid $847 a week, and the benefit will be retroactive from March the 15th. Businesses who are making decisions to rehire are uh, stretched thin and need to know that money is going to come in soon from the government. On the news of the revamped package, Air Canada announcing Wednesday it will hire back 16,000 employees it laid off last week. But for many businesses, the gap will be too big to bridge. Payments not expected until mid-May. And we'd love to see some more interim measures to help small business, especially on the cash flow frontier. So, for example, fixed costs like rent. The latest numbers from the government show a staggering 1.72 million people applied for the CERB in the first two days alone. And nearly 4 million people are collecting some form of employment assistance. Cash is already flowing. Some people reporting double payments. Let us be very clear, it's $2,000 per month. So if people have received two payments, one retroactively and one prospectively. New announcements were made on summer work for students. Expect more information on temporary and gig worker exemptions for benefits in the coming days. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The head of a Vancouver-based telecom giant is giving up his salary to help frontline workers. TELUS CEO Darren Entwistle announcing he is donating his salary for the next three months to support Canadian healthcare workers. The Entwistle Family Foundation, established by the CEO and his wife, is also matching that donation in an effort to double the impact. 100% of the money will go toward personal protective equipment such as masks and gloves, along with the purchase of ventilators. Right now, though, with the arrival of warmer weather and just ahead of the Easter long weekend, all B.C. parks have been closed, encouraging people to just stay home. As Catherine Urquhart reports tonight, the closures are temporary to get everyone to adhere to a strict personal distancing code, and they'll be in place until further notice. At Porto Cove Provincial Park, the gates are shut, 
and signs alert campers it's off limits in an effort to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. B.C. now closing all provincial parks, more than 600. Would be a good safety precaution under the circumstances. I think everyone needs to just knuckle down and and stay home and uh, hopefully this is all over pretty quickly. Along the Sea to Sky Corridor, where there are numerous parks and the economy depends on tourism, the mayor says don't even think about coming here. We have a 25-bed hospital and if this virus takes hold in a small community like ours, that is the, you know, a size of hospital that would get overwhelmed pretty quickly. A decision to close the parks was made because people weren't physically distancing. We were getting calls from the RCMP, from local government, from First Nations, from Search and Rescue, pointing out to us that there were difficult spots, hot spots. There were some people who weren't uh, uh, taking social distancing to heart. A Change.org campaign is advocating for the Sea to Sky Highway to be closed to recreation enthusiasts and non-essential travelers. It is an option. We've asked the, the province to consider it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that would be their first choice. Police, conservation and bylaw officers will be out in force this weekend, educating the public. And, if necessary, they will be fining people. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. And you can add the White Rock Promenade to the growing list of places you cannot visit this holiday long weekend. The walkway will be closed starting Friday. This is on top of the earlier closure of the pier and waterfront parking. All of this aimed at stopping the spread of COVID-19. Renewed concern tonight over the deteriorating situation in the downtown east side with so many people still ignoring the physical distancing rules. Nearly two weeks since the city of Vancouver ordered new safety measures, the area is still bustling. And as Jordan Armstrong reports, some warn it's just a matter of time before a COVID outbreak. The sidewalks of the downtown east side look as busy as ever. As businesses have boarded up, Tents have taken over. Given the number of people still out and about, you'd be forgiven for forgetting that less than two weeks ago, two downtown community centers were repurposed as emergency homeless shelters. Those uh, centers are filling now, and they're also referral only by Vancouver Coastal Health. The downtown east side, we were in massive trouble there before the COVID-19 epidemic. Oppenheimer Park is still in massive trouble. Months after a fixer was hired by BC Housing, it appears any progress has been erased by more tents and trash. Our resources at the city are stretched to the limit, as I've been outlining here. We're, we're bleeding money, uh, and uh, we need the federal and provincial governments to step up in a number of ways. Now, in normal circumstances, the homeless can't be forced into a shelter or hotel room. But with public health orders being ignored, we asked the Premier if he's considering that. This is a frustrating issue that's been frustrating for, for many decades. While he didn't answer directly, John Horgan did say this. It's now critically important, the broader public health, that we address it directly. Uh, Dr. Henry has the ability to look at these issues. Officially, there are still zero COVID clusters in the downtown east side. Yes, hand-washing stations have been installed on the streets, but here it seems the biggest thing keeping the virus at bay is luck. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. 
Well, as Jordan mentioned, there are no confirmed clusters on the downtown east side, but there are reports tonight of a single COVID-19 case at a shelter. Vancouver Coastal Health would not confirm those reports, though, saying they will only acknowledge cases when they believe the public is at risk. A Vancouver Island woman is calling out COVID-19 shamers for taking the policing of physical distancing a little too far. The mother of two young children says she was verbally accosted at a grocery store. As Brad McLeod reports, experts say tempers might be flaring because people feel powerless over the pandemic. Somebody drove behind me and screamed out their window, keep your kids in the house for Christ's sake. Janine Walker was changing her two-year-old daughter in the parking lot of this Langford Lowe's. I have a child who's old enough to go, wait, is my mom a bad mom? She knew it wasn't ideal to take her kids shopping, but her husband is on an extended deployment with the Navy. She needed food and was also shopping for a friend in quarantine. So she reminded her kids to stay away from others and was about to attempt the grocery store. But at the deli, Walker noticed a woman in tears and this man nearby. He looked at me and I said, sorry, I didn't hear what was said. And he was like, I don't care what you heard. I'm here for me. I'm not here for you. And then I started to say, you know, earlier today, and I was going to tell him about what had happened in the uh, parking lot, just to sort of say, like, let's have some empathy for one another. And he cut me off and said, I don't care what happened to you. He said, you know, you're a shitty mom. I think it's an expression of the level of anxiety that people are under, that, you know, people feel stressed. They feel like if other people aren't doing what they're supposed to do, that they're putting you at risk. And that risk may be real. According to an exclusive Ipsos poll, 26% of Canadians are not following physical distancing advice. We can't wait for daddy to get home. Walker says she's no shrinking violet and apologized to the store manager for her part in the confrontation, but says she, like many others, are doing their best under their unique situations. I think we might do better with some kindness rather than some judgment. And when I got home, I thought, you know, he's probably just having a really hard time and he doesn't know how to handle it either. And that's how he, you know, handled it. But that does, still doesn't make it okay. Brad McLeod, Global News, Souk. Well, lost in the chaos of the COVID-19 outbreak is one heartbreaking fact. Frontline healthcare workers are often the only people in the room when a patient succumbs to the virus. One BC nurse, after holding the hand of a man who died, poured his emotions into poetry. Grace Key spoke to him about his touching gesture. Today I held his hand. I told him he was strong. St. Paul's Hospital ICU nurse Doug Ray wrote this poem after Today, holding the hand of a dying patient. Ray Buchanan passed away after his 90th birthday. While at his bedside, Doug would hold the phone while loved ones said their heart-wrenching goodbyes. Today I held his hand and then the other held a phone. His family said, we love you. It's time to say goodbye. I could tell his family loved him and cared for him so much just from the words they were using on the phone to him. Um, and so I just wanted them to know that somebody else cared for him and was able to, to be there when they couldn't be. It's believed Ray may have contracted COVID-19 while returning to Vancouver from London. Doug made sure Ray's friend Tom had a chance to say goodbye during those final moments. He took it on himself to call me just at that time. He says, I just don't want Ray to be alone and to know that we're here. So would you talk to him? And I did. And that was the time that just Ray let go. Today I held his hand as I hung up on that phone. His breathing pattern changed. 
his heart beating no more. Doug was the only one in the room when Ray died. He held Ray's hand, made sure he wasn't alone, and that he died with dignity. We're wearing face masks and face shields and gowns and gloves. It's so impersonal. It's not like anybody should ever die like that. Um, so just being there holding his hand was the only thing I could do at that point in time. Today I held his hand, tears behind my plastic face mask. This protective suit I'm wearing cannot shield humanity. Today I held his hand so he wouldn't be alone.